Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Today is August 5th, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Paris, and today we have Dan Fitzpatrick returning back to the show. Dan is the founder of StockMarketMentor.com and OptionMarketMentor.com. Thanks for being here, Dan. Hey, happy, happy to be here. Thanks. Had a few little sound issues here and there, but finally got her figured out. Absolutely. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. We are going to talk about trading psychology, and then we will end the episode with a few current ideas. So let's get right into the current market. The market continues to be in a pretty strong uptrend. We have two distribution days on the NASDAQ, five on the S&P 500. Dan, what are your thoughts about this uh, strong and crazy market? Yeah, I... I think it's a typical uh, wall of worry thing. Uh, I've never seen I've never seen a wall of worry like this before, and I've been trading uh, since the mid '90s, and at least like the one in the uh, back in the late '90s, that was a huge wall of worry. With oh, we're in a bubble, and they're looking at these stupid websites that are valuing them on eyeballs and stuff like that. Yeah. But the thing is, that was the type of thing where everybody's just looking for the bubble to pop but there was really nothing out there to make it happen. It also hap it was also going on for literally years. Mm -hmm. Compare and contrast that to what we have here, where we do have the economy falling off a cliff. Uh, you know, and it, of course it's self-imposed. You know, it's kind of like taking a knife and stabbing yourself in the heart, you know? You know, you've got a gushing chest wound, but it was kind of self-inflicted. So, the thing is, though, everybody's worrying about that type of thing and the market keeps going up. I know it's something that's bothered me for a while until I finally, you know, I finally just stepped back and looked at it and said, wait a minute, the market is not acting bad and it's actually not acting illogical. I would rather own Dell than Delta. I would rather mm -hmm. own Amazon than American Airlines. And so if you look at what's happening in the market right now, it's kind of a, a bifurcated market where, I mean, frankly, the stuff that's not supposed to work isn't working. And the mm -hmm. stuff that is supposed to work is working. You look at the cl cloud computing sector. I mean, there's just all these, what I would call COVID stocks, you know, whether it's Amazon or, or Apple or, or, you know, Facebook, any, anything that makes money by people sitting in front of their computer with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that's running the stock market higher. And doesn't that kind of make sense? It, it makes tremendous sense. I mean, the, the other thing that is going on along with the people staying at home and you know buying things on the internet uh, is a lot of other people working from home now. Uh, and you see all those uh, companies and that are providing those type of services that enable a lot of companies like even us, like at, here at Investor Business Daily, to work at home and and really increase productivity mm -hmm. uh, by staying at home and avoiding the, the commute. Yeah, and we'll talk about, you know, I have some stocks I want to talk about later that, that are just directly on point with that. But, you know, the thing is, our, our, I don't think any, I don't think we're ever going to go really kind of back to normal. Um, I, I think we're still kind of searching for the new normal, but I don't really feel like the new normal is going to be much different than it is right now. I think right, we just yeah. kind of have to get used to it, um, that people are going to stay at, stay at home. I mean, I know I've been fortunate enough to be able to work uh, from home for the last 
20 years or so, but we do have an office. It's very close by and I never go to it anymore. Like, why do I want to do that? I think that uh, companies are ultimately going to wind up um, saving a lot of money by getting rid of their office, uh, by getting rid of their offices. And I think that people are going to learn if they haven't already how to be more productive at home. Uh, Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, It'll be really interesting to, to see if uh, now we're, we're based here in Los Angeles and if all of a sudden we have this policy that you can work from home pretty much all the time, uh, you all of a sudden open the company up to even greater t- access to talent from all over the country and even the world. Uh, so it would be, it'll be really interesting to see what happens to the country when as all these businesses realize that they can really function pretty well and most of their uh, employees are, are at home. Yeah. I mean, first of all, tell me that you don't miss the 405 freeway. I mean, <laughs> come all. on, you know, the 10, the 405, you know, you got to be from LA to know what I'm talking about. Let's just say it's a mess. Um, but yeah, the, you, when you really think about it, yeah, local, is, you know, it used to be somebody you can commute into the office. Now local is like, I don't know, on this planet, you know, if you, <laughs> if you haven't, if you have a fast internet connection, you can work for anybody. So, you know, there really is a lot, there are a lot of positive things that I think are going to come out of this. I mean, it's a tragedy the way all this stuff is, has happened and the way it's unfolding. But, you know, when it comes to money, money doesn't really care about that. I mean, I can worry about it after market hours and on weekends. I don't anymore. I just kind of accept it and I can't do anything about it. So why am I going to worry about it? But when it comes to making money, you know, I'll I'll make money on anything. If there's a huge epidemic of smoking, I don't care. I'll buy Philip Morris, even though I feel bad for all the people smoking those cancer sticks. And so with respect to what's happening now, Um, I think you got to just look at things objectively and not be so worried about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. Look at what's happening now and look at the trends. You know, you stay away from the financials and and get into the get into the companies that are doing really well and their charts are showing it. And then the other thing that's really important, because we all do kind of have that little wall of worry. The other thing that's important is don't disbelieve the trend. I mean, I, I got to tell you, you know, one of the biggest challenges that, uh, that I ever had, and I still have it every so often, may, I guess just between us, maybe more than every so often, is I sell too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear Bernard Baruch, you know, famously said, I made all my money by selling too soon. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's really the way to go, but I guess it depends on how you define selling too soon. The toughest thing to do is look at your stocks and you see something that's doing really, really well. And you just want to ring that cash register. Um, And frankly, a lot of times the best stock to buy is the one that you already own. And so maybe you should just buy more of it. Raise your stop a little bit, keep piling in. I know that's what uh, the big guy um, used to do all the time, Bill O'Neill. Absolutely. Right? Wasn't he like a huge size trader? Yeah, but he would uh, a, a lot of times, and, and what Dan's talking about here uh, is is the concept of letting winners run. 
You know, mm -hmm. the, the ones that are working for you a lot of times when you're in a strong trend, the best thing you can do is just let those stocks work. Now, Bill kind of took it to the next level where he would continue once he once he figured out, OK, this could be the best stock in the market. Mm -hmm. And he, he had, he had a, a very, very good knack of, of that. Uh, he would just slowly and consistently add to the, the stock at, at proper points and things like that. Yeah. But uh, and by the end of, of a, a major rally, you would have this monster position. Now, you don't have to do it that way. That's what I've learned over the years. Uh, but you do want to make sure you're letting your winners run and letting them work for you and not getting fully out of the positions uh, too early. Yeah, that's right. And you know what we're talking about with respect to, uh, to Bill O'Neill, that's the extreme. Yes. That's the extreme. And, you know, which if you've got the skill and the experience and the, you know, the, the, yeah. the, guts. the guts, I was yeah. going to say something else, but I'm, I, I, um, if you got the guts to do that, then certainly that'll work as long as you're right. Um, but we should all be thinking along those lines, like, wait a minute, you know, I've got this thing that's working. Do I have enough exposure? Do I, am I going to get paid off? for being right because I'm darn sure going to get penalized when I'm wrong. So am I going to get paid off enough? And um, so, and the other thing that's important for people to remember is you don't add to losers, you know, like the old saying goes, losers add to losers. But for me, I just look at it really simply. If I have a positive figure on my, on a position, then that means I'm right. Okay, so that's the one I want to focus on. If it's negative, I'm not worried about trying to be right. I, like the market doesn't care. The stock doesn't care. I'll, I'll be out of a position. If I get shaken out a few times, I'll probably move on. And not because of superstition or anything, but it's just because, you know, well, I obviously don't have a feel for the stock. So, you know, I'll go do something else. But you want to have, you want to be able to compound your winners. Uh, and another reason for that, that that I find because it's stock market mentor, you know, I, I have to find ideas for people every day mm. because we have new yeah. members coming in every day. And, right. and it's, you know, it's kind of thin gruel for somebody who's in today. And I say like, whoa, <laughs> you should have been here a couple of weeks ago. We're right. crushing it on stamps.com, but you right. can't buy now. Yep. You know, so it's, you have to come up with ideas every day, but a lot of times, the best idea is the one that you had yesterday and last week. It's just at a different entry point, you yep. know? So I just look at, at the research that we do as one of exclusion, not inclusion. I, I want to exclude all of, the, um, all of the stocks, the possibilities that I could choose from in order to make a really crappy trade. And I just want to be looking at stocks that meet like a fundamental criterion. And if I can do that, then I totally avoid the, oh, this time is different uh, mentality, which we all uh, have struggled with or maybe still do. You know, yeah, where and you just look at something and go like, oh, no, 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 I got to feel about this. It's different. Yeah. And, and that's where the emotions can definitely get you in trouble. Now, a huge Another huge part of doing well in the markets and really surviving the market, you know, I never look at it as thriving the markets. I, I look at it as surviving the markets. Now, in, in markets like this, everyone's going to do well. But yeah. probably the, the, one of the first things that everyone needs to get down 
uh, in the beginning is coming up with a good plan and really planning your trade and then trading your plan. So Dan, why don't you talk about um, some of the things you do or so, some of the, the plan you do before you even enter into a stock? Okay. Um, my plan is, you know, I, I don't have a lot of unique uh, things, but, but I do stick to them pretty rigidly. And when I don't stick to them, it's when I lose money. Um, I, I only look for stocks that are in uptrends. And that's just real simple. 200-day moving average has to be rising. 50-day has to be rising. And the general trend has to be rising too. You can throw in like 150 or this or that. As long as the price is above the 50, which is above the 200, and they're, and they're all moving in the right direction, then that is, if there's any kind of volume at all, that's an indication of institutional buying. And to me, that's where it starts. I want to, if I would get like emails or texts from all these institutions that would tell me what they're buying, I would never have to look at another chart again. Uh, but they don't do that. So that's an indication to me that institutions are buying. So that's kind of my, you know, that, that's my draft list, so okay. to speak. But then from there, I, I look at MarketSmith a lot. And I look for a lot of people require um, a, uh, a, a relative strength rating of, nine, of 80% or something like that, or, mm -hmm. or an e EPS rating of 80%. Right. I like to look a little bit lower because a lot of times you'll find that the EPS ratings that are about 75 uh, to 78% that are actually below like Bill O'Neill's uh, right. requirement, yeah. those are tomorrow's winners because they kind of slip under the radar for a lot of people. Um, so I, I look for areas of consolidation. The closer a stock gets to the 50-day moving average, and again, it's a rising stock, the more interested I become. And I'm looking for these volatility squeezes, what I call them, I use Bollinger Bands to find them, but uh, where they're trading in a pretty tight range. And if you can find a rising stock with good fundamentals, good growth fundamentals, and it is kind of pinching close to the 50-day moving average, man, that is an opportunity just waiting to happen. And so, so you're Dan, you're talking about the, so the stock's been working in a nice uptrend for a while. Now, now it's coming back to the 50-day. Yeah. And, and, and now it's tightening up. The volatility is contracting. You're starting to see the, the volatility squeeze in, in, in the Bollinger Band. Yeah, and you can compare that. You can contrast. I mean, I don't know if we're looking at charts right now, but you can look at Netflix, for example, oh, which which fell, uh, you know, that fell a lot. And, and it did, if I recall correctly, it came really close to the 50-day moving average. Okay, that and then it rebounded. That didn't really interest me. That didn't really interest me that much because it fell so steep. Like the fall was so steep that you just okay. know so you're oh. talking about around here. Yeah. Like if you look, I mean, that stock uh, fell from above 550, whatever it yeah. was at one time. Yeah. Clear down uh, on in, in a couple weeks. I mean, yeah. it was really steep. So it leaves behind a lot of ticked off bulls, people yeah. that bought the stock. And yeah. now they're sitting there and they can't wait to get their money back because right. there's some other stocks that they'd love to be buying instead. So you compare that with like uh, Shopify. Um, and you can look at that and see, 
Um, I, I think that's, well, it, it doesn't matter. I, I think that might be an arithmetic chart, but. Um, it says, yeah, this is. Yeah, yes. but it's actually the, the fall from that 1100 level down to close to the 50 mm -hmm. was actually much more gradual. Okay. And, when, and when it occurred on, on lighter volume. Yep. And so that's an indication of what you would just call weak hand selling. Yep. It doesn't mean, you know, dumb selling. It just means people, I, you know, I, I go, the stock's not moving up, so I'll go ahead and sell it. Right. And then right underneath there are institutions kind of waiting to buy it. And so that is a much more interesting pattern to me because it's, it's a moneymaker, um, you know, and uh, so I, I look at that and, and, you know, you look at the, at the fundamentals and they're all, you know, they're monster fundamentals, uh, right. nothing wrong with that. And the other thing that I like is like the R, the relative strength line is rising, which, which I know a lot of people look for, but again, we're just kind of talking about things that I look for. As long as the relative strength line, as long as the number is still okay, like it's got to be above 90. I really don't care if it's, if it's falling a bit. And, and this is why, think about this, it's only logical. If part of my criterion is I wanna see a stock that's kind of drifting sideways and even preferably even kind of down a little bit mm -hmm. on a little volume. Well, if, if we're in a strong market, then that stock is gonna be underperforming. But I look at that as, as the same thing as, as looking at, at, at somebody running a, running a race. You know, you can be the fastest runner running an ultra marathon or something, but at some point, you know, you're going to stop and, and catch your breath and you're going to rest a little bit. So relative to the rest of the field, you know, you're pretty slow. But then once you get a rest and you start running again, now you're going to rush right back to the front. And so you know, I look at that stuff and to me, it's just kind of applying logic um, to it. And so that makes sense to me. So I don't really want to be so dogmatic in my, uh, in my trading or my stock analysis that I, I don't leave room for thinking, you yeah. know, and because there's kind of an art to it as well. There's, a, there's tons of art. You know? Now, yeah. uh, what, one other, on, other interesting thing that, that you mentioned before uh, it, when we were talking offline, yeah. it is, and, and makes sense. So we, we all do this. You, you learn to do this after you've been doing this for a while, but before you enter a trade, you've determined a number of different points, uh, entry, you know, where you're going to, where, where your exit strategies are, you know, how much you want to get into it yeah. uh, and things like that. Just briefly talk about it and th then we can uh, take a quick break and then. Okay. Continue. Yeah. That's the most important thing because if you, if you have specific entry criteria, then, you know, you look and say, oh, when the stock goes above 80, boom, I'm in. Okay. Well, how much are you going to buy? How many shares? Uh, how, where's you, where are you going to put your stop? All of this depend. all of this really, really matters. And you can figure all that stuff out in advance. You know, you know what your ideal beginning position size is, maybe 10%. So you can calculate that by the price of the stock that you're buying. Where's the stop going to be? If it's a tight stop, you can buy more shares. If it has to be a loose stop, well, first of all, maybe you shouldn't be buying it anyway. But second of all, you can buy fewer shares because what you really care most about to begin with is how much you stand to lose. So you figure that out and then you put yourself in a position to make money by understanding how much you're risking first 
then you focus on building a bigger position. Perfect. So Was the market quick can, enough? <laughs> I'm actually, I'm very impressed, Dan. Well, thank <laughs> the you market, very much. <laughs> the market <laughs> continues to be in an uptrend, but remember, we are still in earnings season. So make sure you know when your stocks are reporting earnings. So let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to continue this conversation and talk more about psychology and post analysis. We'll be back. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. Who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, orange stock ideas button, you just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot List, right, which is very popular. It's going to show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Dan Fitzpatrick's our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Dan, let's continue this talk about psychology because it's you can really never talk about it enough because that's what that's what we're doing every day. We're we're trying to figure ourselves out in the market, and so really the best way to do that and really start understanding how you react to stock movements, especially when they go through through these extreme runs is by doing post analysis. And so let's uh, talk about like what you do and how how you use self-reflection to get better in the markets. Yeah, that's a biggie. First of all, it's, it's actually, it's actually really, really easy to learn to trade. I mean, you can look at, as long as you're a good note taker, you know, look at all the things on uh, on IBD's website, just the basic free stuff. You're going to look at all the stuff that I have at, at Stock Market Mentor. We have a lot of free. Yeah, you can get uh, on a free uh, You a free can go email on, day, on right? YouTube, you know. I mean, some yeah. of it's crap, but a lot of it's really, really good. You know, I'm going like, why is this guy posting free videos on YouTube? Hey, man, you got to come work for me. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you can learn how to trade, but then actually doing it, <laughs> That's a different deal. And there have been times in the past where I've, I've actually thought, you know, I should hire a trading assistant, somebody to, to do exactly what I tell them to do and then never take direction again. Like if I just say, okay, buy this and, and hold it until blah, blah, blah. That's interesting. And then if I come into the room like two days later or a week later and say, nah, you got to sell it, you know, have the assistant look at me and go, nah, we covered that before. Not going to do it. Get out of here. Um, you know, and, yeah. and what that is, is really like my trading assistant is my logical objective side. And then I am the objective guy that's always overthinking things. 
always taking profits too early because I'm afraid it's going to turn into a loss or because, you know, I just took three losses in a row and I'm feeling really bad. So I got to ring the cash register to feel good about myself. In yep. none of those instances does the stock do anything different. And so that's the, the challenge that we all have is we fight our worst enemy, which is ourself. And you wind up, you wind up doing the exact wrong thing at the exact wrong time. I mean, I don't even want to tell you the stocks that I sold way lower than they are right now. And if I go back and look at the chart, and I have, um, to see where I sold it, I, I can't even tell you. I, I can't even tell you, well, it did this and volume was that or it broke this trend line. It's just like, I, I don't know, maybe I was having a bad day or yeah. something. Yep. Uh, it, it really is pretty remarkable how we get ourselves all uh, screwed up. And the one thing that I've, that I've done that is essential for anybody who wants to be a consistently profitable trader Every single person, there's no exception. If you're out there listening or watching to this podcast and you're about to say, nah, that's not me. Actually, no, it is you. That is track your trades. Look at your trading behavior. Not how great you are at stock picking. Did you make any money on it? Are you consistently making money? What's your average loss? What's your average profit? What's your batting average? What's your average holding time? Look at the charts, it, not the one that you sold yesterday, but look at the charts of the ones that you sold last month. Put a little green dot where you bought, put a little red dot where you sold. That will tell you so much. Um, we have a common friend who told me to do this. This was a few years ago. It's, it's mm -hmm. Mark, you know, Mark yep. Minervini is an awesome yeah. guy. And I was telling him like, Dude, you know, I'm kind of, hate to say it, but I'm kind of having a hard time with consistency here. And he mm -hmm. goes, print out all your charts, get a red and a blue and, you know, do that. And he goes, bring them to me and I'll, it'll take me 15 minutes and I can tell you exactly what you're doing wrong. Yeah. So I'm going like, oh, okay, well, this is really an ego sapping um, experience, <laughs> but okay, I'll do it. <laughs> And so then in the process of doing it, it took me like two damn weekends at the office to print out all these things and mark them up and all that. I yeah. looked at them all. I looked at them all and went like, I called him up. I go, dude, I don't need you. I'm selling too soon. Thank you very much. That's, That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great example because uh, a, a lot of times, it's almost for everyone, you're going to do the same thing over and over again. You just don't over realize and it. And you need to do what Dan just did there, print them out, mark them up. And then it, it really is obvious at that, that point. Like, oh my, and, and that was, you know, for me at first, I wasn't selling soon enough. That was my first big thing. I'd write some of these stocks down like 80% because I thought, oh, maybe they'll come back. Uh, then once you get that out, then I'll sell them too soon. And, and so you start uh, get, uh, getting better at that. And then you sometimes have to go back and relearn some of these things too. And it's, some of them have to learn many, many times. So, uh, but the mm. only way you do that is you have to do that hard exercise of looking at those, those bad mistakes that you made. And, and, and it's never fun, but the more you do it, 
the quicker you're going to get yourself out of that rut and, and set yourself up for the next great market. Yeah, I, I, will, I will tell you this. Again, if, if you're listening or watching and you think, well, you know you don't need to do that, <laughs> you, are, you are so wrong. I challenge, <laughs> you are so wrong. You're fooling yourself. You're stroking your own ego. Basically, you don't want to know how bad you suck. I don't know if I can say that, but I yeah, just did. Feel free. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, seriously, you just don't know. And if you say, well, no, nah, man, I'm doing really great. Okay, then fine. Analyze your trades and figure out a way to do better mm -hmm. because that's real. And like one of the things that I'm telling our members, because we have people that are, we got some that are day traders, some that are swing traders, some, you know, that have been holding AT&T for 30 years, you yeah, know, or wow, something, I mean, wow. sure, whatever. But yeah. I always tell people, if you're, if you're trading a stock, you know, it's a good company, but you're just kind of itching to sell the stock, you know, keep, keep 10% and just say, you know, okay, I'm up 20% on my position or whatever. And that's like a really good time to take profits. But you know what, I'm going to keep 10% and just like, my stop is at break even. So if I, if I ride this thing all the way down to where I bought it, it's really okay. And what you're gonna find is that you will have the experience of holding a stock for longer yep. and typically getting paid off for it. And after a while, because again, I, I can't give any specific rules for that. I can just give you a specific experience. If you're buying good stocks and then you find you're kind of selling them too soon, just resign yourself to selling 90% of it, hopefully in stages. And you go like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep 10%. I'm going to put it in a group in my, in my account and never look at it. You know, I'm going to have my stop down at break even and forget about it. You'd be amazed at how your trading improves. That's yeah, the no, biggest thing, man. No, that, 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 is, that is a really important thing. That's actually something that I've done uh, in this latest rally too. And, and some of those are, were really small positions and they just went up with these, uh, they've gone up these monster amount. Um, now let's talk about uh, another benefit of post analysis and, and part of the exercise is coming up with some new rules because in the end you can go and l l read uh, Bill O'Neill's how to make money in stocks book. You can watch your webinars on stockmarketmentor.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there comes a point also, once you learn a lot of the, the main rules that you have to write rules for yourself to, to adapt, uh, adapt them to your personality and your trading style. That's a big deal because everybody's style is a little bit different. And, you know, maybe other people have it down cold. You know, I don't. And mine's always evolving based on some of the things that I just said, you know, maybe I shouldn't be saying that stuff because I want people to think I'm the world's greatest trader, but I'm not, I'm a human. I make mistakes too, but I'm getting better all the time. I'm getting better every year. What the way I'm going to be trading next year will make today's Dan be embarrassed, you know, so you constantly get better. But the thing is, um, what I've been working on is holding my trades for longer. And I do have specific rules for that. You know, I, I never buy all at once. I never sell all at once. If I ever get more than stocks, more than 10 stocks in my account, 
I start looking to cut somebody from the roster because it's too many. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I have a, if I've got a 5% position in a stock and it doubles, that kind of barely moves the needle, you know, on my whole account. And it, it's hard, it's hard to find stocks that move 20%. It really <laughs> so, is. So yeah. you, you know what I mean? And yeah. so um, I, I really try to start at least with typically uh, with 10% uh, as a starting position. And then I keep a pretty tight stop to make sure I'm not like, I never want to lose more than one and a quarter of my account in any trade. That's not risk more. Uh, it's not like put more than one and a quarter of my account in a stock. It means difference between the entry and the stop multiplied by the number of shares shouldn't nail you for more than one and a quarter percent of your account. I think that's a pretty, I think it's probably a little bit on the tight side, but I think it's pretty common that people do that. Yeah. And so, and and if I can't do that with a particular stock and have it pay me enough money to take the risk, then I'm just going to pass on that trade. And And I've had several of those uh, lately where, you know, like some of the semis, I think it was AMD or whatever, it just got away from me. I, yeah. I didn't see it. Right. And then, and that, that's another rule. I don't chase the stock. If, if, and I don't say, well, you know, it's up uh, 18% since I should have bought it. So, well, maybe I'll take a shot and just buy a few shares. Uh, you might as well give it to charity on that, <laughs> you know? True, so yeah. I just don't, I don't chase stocks because I used to chase them a lot. And I, it was kind of like golf, where every so often I'd make money on one that I chased, just enough to keep me doing it. Kind of nice. like you go nice. playing golf, and every once in a while you get that one that you drive right down the middle of the fairway. Yeah. You forget about all the balls that you put into the water and on the <laughs> sand and, you know, into the guy next to his head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I just got to get some better clubs. I need faster quotes. Yes. I need a better trading platform. No, yeah. you need a better process. Now, now those are all uh, really, that's a lot of great advice there. Let's talk about uh, something that, that's, uh, that we've both gone through. And, and, some, and, and it is embarrassing for, for, for me to talk about this too, but uh, it's capitulation. Uh, and it's kind of funny because I, I think we both go and went in the accounts that we actively manage, we're not going to fall into that kind of trap, but we both have accounts that are more kind of retirement accounts or accounts that we don't watch or, uh, we, we just are operating a different way and I'll fall in prey to the, the capitulation, uh, when you see it like at the worst time, talk, talk a little bit about uh, the, the recent story that you had uh, on this, that even you've been doing this for, you know, for so long now that you, you mentioned it before, you're human, Dan. And it, regardless of how long you do this, you can fall prey or, or get really close to these really uh, portfolio destroying type of events. Yeah, I have to put on my sunglasses because, and if I could, I'd like mod- modify my voice. You know, because... <laughs> we, should, we should put a little a blue dot on your head. <laughs> okay. All right. Hello, I'm John Doe. And... No, um, 
But so this, this is the thing, like uh, we, we have, first of all, what you were saying, the first part, like if you're managing, if you're trading your own account, you're never going to capitulate. And the reason you're never going to capitulate is because you have rules that are going to get you out before the fit hits the shan. You know, like before the wheels come off the wagon and you're going, oh my God, is everything going to zero? Yep. You're, you're out. You're out of that. And so, and that's my biggest argument for running your own money. Now, uh, we have, because, uh, uh, you know, I have a, a company, uh, we have a pension. I, I can't run it, you know. I, like I was telling you, Arusha, it would be like walking around with a T-shirt that on the back says, sue me, you know, I've mismanaged your pension, you know, or whatever. So anyway, um, so the thing is, this pension is being managed in an asset allocation model which is something that, and I'm, I'm not putting it down other than the fact that it just doesn't work. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of large money managers use this uh, where they're looking at standard deviation and, and uh, you know, this and that and, and the sharp ratio and blah, 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 and all that now stuff. For, now, Dan, for large money managers, it, maybe it makes sense for them, right? Ab absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but for individuals or for, uh, people who don't who have the luxury of not having to manage uh, a huge a aircraft carrier or something like that, where it, it takes them long times to build positions in, get out of the positions. We don't have to follow those rules. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, don't, don't let my flipping attitude uh, give anybody the wrong impression. I'm not talking about some dude who's running $500 billion, you know, like you can't just say, hey, I think I'll buy some Twilio today, you know? I mean, <laughs> right. you know, so, so they do that. You know, they put them across municipal bonds and this and that. But for people like, like you and me, here's, here's the problem. And this is what we, we ran into was, first of all, I'm a control guy and I hate it when I don't have control over something that I really kind of feel like I should have control over. And so when the market started really tanking on the whole, you know, COVID boogie thing, um, I'm looking at the pension account and I'm talking to the guy and, and okay, well, how much are we down and this and that and the other, oh, okay, well, that's not bad. You know, and then like a week later, or two weeks later, I'm going like, my God, what's going on here? Yeah. We're working for the last five years for free. Um, and so I wound up calling this guy. I got to look at the date. I, I called the guy, you know, the market actually bottomed on a Monday in uh, March. So I think it was March 20th. You, you, it, 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 March it, no, on, on 23rd March, was. Yeah, March bottom, 23rd right? was Monday. Yes. And so I called this guy on Sunday. And I said, look, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. You, you gotta get, you gotta get us out of this thing. You gotta get us out. This is, I, I just can't stand to see this account go down anymore. I totally lost faith in the guy. Um, and although spoiler alert, it's not his fault. It's the method. It's, it's not the person's fault. It's the methodology. Um, and so anyway, then I'm talking to my wife, long story short. Uh, and then the next morning I woke up and, and I said, honey, we, we're defining capitulation here. We are the people that I tell people not to be. And so I called this guy up and I said, don't do it. Just like, just 
leave us in, you know? And so it's all good now, but I got to tell you, if, if I had not done that, I probably would have had to get on the old sunglasses and wear those every day as I teach people how to trade stocks. Yeah. You know, well, and, and that's, I mean, that's a great point. It's, you, you have to have these rules when, especially when you're managing your own accounts, these are why we follow those rules where we're, we may get stopped out and nine out of 10 times, those stocks are going to come right back without us. And you know, you're, you're wondering, Oh, why don't we even have those stops? It's for that one out of 10 times that it just keeps getting worse and worse. And all of a sudden you've lost five years of, of hard earned gains. Just like that. And, and the thing is, you think about it this way. I mean, you don't even need a chart for this. You buy something at 100 bucks, you decide, well, you're going to sell it at, at 93 if it falls. Okay, then you go like, oh, crap, it fell to 93. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm sure it'll bounce off at 90. And then it doesn't. And then it's down at 88. And then you go, okay, whoa, I blew my own rule. When it, when it gets back up to 93, then I'll sell it like I should have before. Only it doesn't. It gets up to 92 before it falls to 80. Yeah. And now you're going, crap, man, what the heck? Okay, now when it gets back up to 88, then I'll sell. And so the thing just keeps ratcheting down lower and lower. All the while, you're forgetting about the fact that, you know what, damn it, I should have just sold it 93, like I said I would in the first place. So when you have a rule like that and you stick with it, you avoid a big bunch of potential messes, a big bunch of potential messes. And one, one like real easy one for people that are running like your own retirement account, or maybe you have, uh, you know, your some money in the S&P or something like that, or just in, in anything. When the S&P falls below the 200 day moving average, you, you need to be, you need to be liquidating. You need to be out. Why? Well, because everybody else is all the people all the institutions that would be buying to hold your stocks up, they're not doing that because if they were, the S&P would be above the 200-day moving average. The momentum traders, and you know this, Arusha, yeah. momentum guys look at the 50-day moving average. When it's close to the 50, it's, quote, cheap. Larger money managers look at the 200-day. Yep. When it's close to the 200, it's cheap. When it's below the 200, ah, run for your life. That's exactly. what they do. I've talked to them. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So psychology and knowing yourself is critical to doing well in the markets. Coming up next, Dan and I are going to talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. MarketSmith will give you a huge edge in the stock market. Better stocks, bigger profits. MarketSmith is the top research platform for IBD. It's just the best tool for individual stock selection. Everything within MarketSmith is designed to bring those best stocks to the surface. It does a lot of the work for you of filtering down to the potential leaders. It's when you take the training wheels off and you're ready to invest on a more professional level. MarketSmith will help you take control of your investment life. If you want to get serious about investing, start your membership today. We are back with Dan Fitzpatrick on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Dan, let's go into a few ideas. And the first one on the list is a stock that I own, uh, Shopify. Yeah. Um, first of all, the stocks that, I, stocks that I'm bringing, just so you know, 
I'm I'm trying I thought about stuff that's that's actionable. Like mm -hmm. I wanted something rather than saying like, oh my God, you know, did you see such and such? The fundamentals look great, not the time to buy it. You should have bought it two months ago. Yeah. Uh, so I want to give people some actionable stuff here. And Shopify is a really, really great um stock from a if you look at the relative strength line there you know it's yep. rising which we like to see i've already yep. said it doesn't have to be but um you know it's nice when it is but also by the way arusha if you look at the stock when it was actually retreating there mm -hmm. um the relative strength line was falling yep so that's that's okay and this is one of those where what's the uh what's the eps rating 78 Yep. I love 78. It's my favorite number because it's not quite 80. Um, you know, so uh, I, I like it. And also then from a from a business standpoint, and by the way, in this type of thing, you see what the accumulation distribution rating is, is pretty good too. Yep. So it's like all of the things line up on the chart, on the fundamentals, we're just talking about the earnings growth, uh, quarterly earnings growth, is off the charts. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's just monstrous yeah. growth. And the same thing with top line sales, you yeah. know, up 47%, 47%, 97%. Uh, margins are almost 20% now. So yeah. this is a company that's crushing it fundamentally. But also just think about what this business is. Think about what we're doing now. Everybody's wearing a dang mask in the shower because I don't want to give the soap COVID or something. Um, so we're all staying at home, right? This is enterprise software. If you go look at the website, they're basically saying, hey, if you want to start an online business, you start right here with us. I mean, this is perfect for what people are doing. And um, they're just crushing it. And I, as again, as I mentioned earlier, I think what we're dealing with right now is kind of the new normal and more and more people are starting businesses. That's not going to go away. And so these guys are, are in the sweet spot as far as just kind of culturally and economically what's going to happen. And this is what I, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I, I like. And the weekly chart, yeah, it shows it pretty extended. Um, and that- Yeah, but it's still, you know, st still in this nice uh, trend here. It's finding support off the 10-week line. I mean, you, you can really see the relative strength line, how sharp it is there. And I think, and one more thing here, Dan, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me and stuck out to me last time, uh, during this run uh, last time in 2019, I sold out at a, 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 I think a 40% gain uh, with Shopify and I regretted it for nice, months. Nice. You know, it yeah. went up a hundred percent. So that was a huge mistake. Yeah. And really so that gets crappy back. trade. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, but it was a huge, huge wasted opportunity for me because I really love the story as, as, as you do. And um, so this time around, you know, I was just like, okay, I'll lighten up kind of like what you're talking about in the first part of the podcast. Don't sell everything. Take some off the table let's uh, you know let those winners run and uh you know you're and and it also goes to the example of you're learning all the time too and you're always improving on yourself and learn, learn learning uh the, from those mistakes and that this is a, a real life example for me over the last few years yeah you i mean do you ever find yourself where you know you got the stock and it's it's moving really nicely 
and, and then it falls like, you know, three days in a row or yeah. four out of five days, you know, yeah. none of them really big, but no. you know, enough to where it's drifting down and you're kind of a little concerned. Oh, always. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, so what do you do? You know, you sell yeah. uh, because you don't want to give away your profits, but mm -hmm. you got to think about, you, you got to think about it in this way. If, if I'm an institutional trader, like I heard what, I forget what stock it was, but uh, like Warren Buffett was buy, had to buy like 117 million shares of some stock or whatever it was. Well, that's not the kind of thing that you give your desk trader on Monday morning and say, okay, report back to me tomorrow by five. You know, right. what price did you get it all in at? So these institutions go, they go on these buying campaigns that have to, you know, that they can be buying a stock for a year or more, at least a few months. But these stocks like this, like Zoom, you know, like mm -hmm. remember PayPal, yeah. you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. There's this underlying demand, institutional demand, like forever. And if you're, if you're kind of the retail guy that's sitting there going, okay, institutional demand, and then the stock falls for two out of three or four out of five days, and you go like, oh, the institutions must be done. No, they're, they're just not buying right now because yeah. the stock's up too damn high. Yeah. So they yeah, and, and come some, down a little bit. Exactly. And sometimes institutions will intentionally sell off the stock and try to cause some panic and so they may come in and put like a hundred thousand share lot hey for sale and try to drive that price down then they'll have a big bucket there at, as maybe even right below the 50-day moving average with four hundred thousand shares and they're just grabbing all the shares into their big bucket now they've got a more of their position yeah, and the funny thing is, like, because I, you know, I have, we have, we, we do have some institutional clients at, at Stock Market Mentor. You know, we do. We got some guys actually running quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, but most of our traders are, are retail guys. Um, and they, they, there's a lot, there's this mindset out there that they think like the institutions are out to screw us. Like, oh, you know, that was a that was a fake move. They wanted to screw us or this or that. It's nothing about that. I, I mean, when I was back in New York for a very short period of time that actually now as I look back was too damn long. Um, but, you know, I talked to some of these guys and they don't talk about it that way. They talk about it like, you know, yeah, well, when we, when we need to generate some demand, then we, we push the stock up and then we get some demand for our stock. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, well, you know, when we need to generate some supply, we need to, we need to buy some more stock. Uh, then we push the stock down because that's where supply is. They don't personalize it. Yeah. They don't personalize it. They just look at the chart. It's like right. uh, Wyckoff's uh, composite man exactly. theory, where you just yep. think of the market as one guy who's doing what he can to advantage himself, not to disadvantage you, but just to advantage himself. Right. And, or, or think about the market as the, the biggest poker game in the world, you know, because I, I, I mean, one thing that I, and I tell this to a lot of people, but you know, the stock market really isn't here to make you money. Right. And it, it's, it's for other, everyone's battling for that money. Yeah. And, and so I, I take, I, so I, I take it to that extreme. I was like, it's not here 
to, to make you money, it's here to take your money, right? And so that's why you have all these rules in place. So you have, it, you're forced to raise your game up. So you're not, you're not falling prey to that because you have a plan in a pl for place to help you manage extreme kinds of markets like we've seen this year. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. The market's kind of there to take your money, but it is interesting to me after, you know, where I've been doing this uh, for, you know, I've been teaching people to trade for longer than I've even known how to trade. Just don't tell anybody. Um, but uh, people get, ultimately get to where they need to go, where they have, they have a rules-based system. It doesn't mean robot. It just means like there's rules. And we've been talking about some of those. But how they get there is really interesting because I see, you know, in the people that are coming through our doors, why is it that somebody can not have a position in a stock and then the stock pulls back a bit and the one person is saying, hmm, is this the time to buy this stock? I think maybe I need to buy this stock. And another person is looking at the same thing and they're saying, Oh, if that falls another dollar, I'm going to short that stock. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or somebody that has a position and then it pulls back like we were just kind of describing. And that person, there's one person that says, great, this is a chance for me to buy some more of this. Yep. And then another person says, crap, now I'm back to where I was. I got to sell the stock. So it's like they're both seeing the same chart. They're not really seeing different things. They're seeing the same thing, but they're bringing different psyche into it. You know, it's some people, true, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm this guy, uh, they're scared to lose money. Yeah. You know, other people just want to make money. They just like, yeah, this is an opportunity. And, you know, I've been on the couch, you know, on my, my buddy's couch, uh, uh, you know, a long time ago when I lost everything and then some stuff that I didn't even own. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in that environment where if I have money, the last thing I'm going to do is lose it. Like right. I got yeah. guns. You're not, yeah. you're not going to get my money. Yeah. And so that's a different mindset than the person who's always had money and just wants to make more of it. And so the trick is for both of those people to get to the same place. They come in a different direction, but they got to get to the same place to where they do have a rules-based approach. They do buy when certain parameters are met and then they sell when other parameters are met. And it is, as we said a while ago, a lot of it's art. You yep. can't just say must sell at this. Yeah. But if you keep your if you keep track of your numbers, like we were just talking about it before, uh, before I came on, can I give you my numbers? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just real quick yeah. on on our growth stock list, we keep a we keep a growth stock list at Stock Market Mentor where I give people like stock entry, exit, stop, stuff like that. So we're we're batting fifty four percent. It's better than average. Uh, I'd like it 60. If I could do that, I'd be happy, but I'm reasonably okay. Our average profit's 13.14%. Our average loss is 5.7%. So we're, we're making more than two times the money than we're losing, and we're batting over 50-50. So yeah, those, are, those are good numbers. Like they're not monster numbers, but they give you, they give me a sense of, okay, like, where am I? 
You know, where, where am I? Am I doing okay or am I not? If I trade based on my performance, if I trade more, am I going to do better or, or am I going to lose all my money? Like those are, that's the type of thing that we were talking about as far as, as far as um, keeping track of your trades. If you have those results, then here's the other thing. Based on my performance, if I have a stock that's up 15 or 16 or 17 or 20%, I'm thinking, oh, I can improve my numbers if I'm taking some profits here. On the other hand, if I have a stock that's down, four, five, six, seven percent. Now I'm thinking, crap, I better sell this thing because it's already lower than my average loss. So it's not about the position. It's not about the stock. It's about the numbers. It's like no baseball player is going to crow because he hit, you know, got three for four on Tuesday night. But if he's batting 400 over the season, that's Hall of Fame numbers. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, let's go to the second stock. And this is uh, Dynatrace and ticker symbol DT. And I will let, let me bring up the, the charts here again. And so for those of you who are listening to it, you can also watch this on investors.com slash podcast. And so ticker symbol DT, here's Dynatrace, a newer company uh, setting up. And this is something I noticed over the weekend too. I was like, wow, this is really tightening up and, and setting up nicely right on that 10 week line. And uh, they're putting up some big numbers too. What do you like about them, Dan? Look at the look at the daily chart. Check out the daily chart. Yep. Now start drawing some lines there. You see a horizontal line at forty bucks for support, mm-hmm. right yep. along there, and then you draw that line uh, along the downtrending uh, resistance from that forty four sixty five down there. That's uh, that's what I call a pinch and pop pattern. You know, shorthand for that is the pimple pattern. Um, but what it is, is it's just the type of thing that I was describing where you've got a nice uptrending stock that's in mm-hmm. consolidation, yep. gradually coming back to the 50-day moving average. A stock like that has, especially a strong stock like this, it has an excellent chance of breaking out above that volatility squeeze. Like that's a volatility squeeze right at 40 bucks. And so for me, when I look at that stock, my buy point is like $44 and 45 cents. Okay. Uh, when it gets, if it breaks out above there on really volume, yep. it could do this. And you know, for all I know, it's going to do it before this podcast is even published because um, today and yesterday was much heavier than average volume. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, the, the, the podcast will be released uh, Thursday afternoon. So uh, tomorrow during the day, this very well can move because yeah. it has been uh, uh, setting up. They have monster, monster numbers here uh, with the, the earnings and the sales and and uh, the, the IBD ratings are excellent too. And and they're in the cloud, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're in the cloud, and you're you're helping make companies more efficient at lower costs. You're going to do be doing pretty well right now. Yeah. Um. This is. And by the way, if tomorrow it this thing falls to like thirty five or thirty bucks, and it's before this podcast is posted, can I call you back and tell you to erase this part? <laughs> we'll go into a, re- a okay. retract. Got to do another segment there. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I, I like Dynatrace. And again, this, because 
I hate the charts that you look at and then somebody will go like, oh my God, isn't that an awesome chart? And you look at it and you go, no, because the stock went up 30% and I wasn't in it. So no, that <laughs> chart is a horrible chart. Show me one that looks like this did before it made that big move. And so that's the stuff that I'm looking for. And Dynatrace, you know, it could be, could be one of those. Uh, you know, we'll see, but it's got everything in its favor. And I do like the volume coming in. Yep. Yep. The, the volume. Yeah. It has really good. Uh, and if you look at that, Arusha, that, that big, um, the highest volume bar three days back at 10 million, 600. Yeah. That actually occurred kind of on the day where the close was higher than the open. Oh, look the at stock that. closed within seven cents of the intraday high. So yeah. even though that red bar, that bar looks like it's a distribution day, like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Yeah. That's actually the day that the rally started. Yeah, and it, it came, touched, or came really close to the 50 day and, and yeah. came, came out. And you know, what actually what kind of surprised me with this one is that range is so small too. There's a mm -hmm. lot of volume. Um, and maybe there are some really large uh, two institutions just exchanging a large lot of shares there at a specific price maybe in the dark pools or something like that and came out right at the end of the market or something maybe something like that yeah so it's kind of weird it could, that. yeah it certainly could be but and but the thing is uh however that volume occurred yeah. it did occur right, right. there You're and right. so i i look at this and it, it's one of the best charts i've seen uh like you know this week as far as uh, more potential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is de was definitely on the top of my list over the weekend. I was like, wow, look at Dynatrace. So yeah. that's Dynatrace, uh, ticker symbol uh, DT, uh, right. one to keep an eye on and, and definitely could be actionable over the, the next week. Let's go to one more. And this is one that everyone should know. And I'll go to the <laughs> daily chart. Uh, and we are using Zoom. This yeah. is a uh, ticker symbol ZM. Uh, this is, I, I, I would venture to say this is the best stock in the market for 2020 it, on a performance basis and also just on a functional basis as a company because they have changed everything and they are the perfect company position for the craziness that's going out there. They, they really are. And the funny thing is, um, you know, you'll hear, hear people say like, oh, they have security concerns, you know, yeah, just, I'm going like, Okay. Which is right, right here, Dan. They, they had the security concerns brought it right back to the 50-day for someone. And I was, you know what happened? It, it affected me too, because I was scared to, to yeah. buy at that point. But uh, even, yeah. But so here's the thing on that. Like, oh, they have security concerns. Okay, well, do they not know about it? Is this something that everybody knows about, but, but Zoom doesn't know? Or might it be the kind of thing where they go, huh, we have security concerns. Well, we better fix that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, so they have security concerns. It's it's not unfixable. So it's kind of like, you know, with uh, Facebook, uh, you know, not my, I'm not a Facebooker and I'm definitely not a Zuckerberg. I was going to ask you to be Facebook friends after this. No, no I'm not. <laughs> you, you can talk, talk to somebody in my company because I don't know my password. Um, but we do have an account. You know, okay, I, think, okay. I think I have a perfect life. Um, <laughs> If, if you look on Facebook, um, at least that's what I want you to think. But like, so when, when all these businesses are boycotting Facebook, I mean, that was an opportunity to buy Facebook because mm -hmm. once again, 
is Facebook like not going to do anything about it? Do you think Zuckerberg and Sandberg are going to go, oh, well, shucky darn. Um, you know what? It was good. It was a good run while it lasted. Now what are we going to do? Let's build electric cars. You know, so the, when something, when something, when a news item comes and it hits the stock, you have to not think so much about how bad the news is. Think about whether it's a fixable thing and everybody wants to make money, they're going to fix it. So like with Zoom, and I almost didn't want to mention the stock because it is so obvious. Yeah. I mean, it's like Zoom video, really? Gosh, thanks for the idea. You know, okay, well, do Zillow instead or something. <laughs> but the thing is, I still think this has um, upside potential. Mm -hmm. um, it, and they, it gave that opportunity just over the, the last week or so. Everyone kind of forgot about it. They just, oh, we missed it. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I, you know, I was looking at this stock and, and this is one of those that I made great money on way lower than it is now. This was before I decided that I had my 10% rule where if a stock's going up, just put 10% away, mm -hmm. just like you do when you're in the blackjack, the blackjack table, yeah. you know, you kind of squirrel some chips into your pocket so you That's don't wind smart, up yeah. with nothing. I haven't um, learned that lesson yet. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It really does help. But so the thing is with Zoom, one of the things that I like to do is I call it envisioning. I will look at a chart. And so I'll start drawing the horizontal, excuse me, the vertical lines, mm -hmm. projecting what I think a stock can do in the future. And it's not like a price target or anything like that. It's like, you know, okay, over the last few decades, I've looked at like millions of charts. Um, you know, what looks like a pretty reasonable price pattern for this? Expect the expected, not the mm -hmm. unexpected. Like, what would I, I expect that. this stock to do? And yeah. so my expectation was that the stock would kind of continue, and my hope was it would kind of continue to drift sideways long enough to test the 50-day moving average and then hold above that. Well, that's what it's doing. And yeah. so right now, like if you look at your chart, I wanna buy and I did buy as close to the 50 as I could. And then as long as the stock stays above the 50-day moving average, it's acting in accordance with how I envisioned it to act. Yeah. Therefore, I'm not going to be shaken out because I've already done the planning before mm -hmm. I get into the stock. I've gone, okay, well, you know, I, I, this is my idea of what the stock's going to do. So Dan, if the stock does what you think it's going to do, then would it be acting reasonably? Well, yes. Otherwise I wouldn't buy the stock. So as long as it's generally um, conforming to what my envisioning was what my imagination was for how the stock would trade normally, then I'm going to stick with that position. I'm not ever going to be tempted to sell it. Now, as soon as it stops acting the way I thought it would act, and in this case, it would be like if Zoom like fell down to the to like 235 or 230. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, now my trade is blown because it's not acting the way I thought it was going to act. So just using my imagination a little bit, totally keeps me straight. It, it keeps me more objective because I've already kind of done the mental work. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that's well explained. I'll, I'll uh, just show the weekly chart just very quickly. Yeah. Here. Just a super strong 
move. And so I, I own shares of it. I added over the last uh, week or so when it came right back and touched that 10 yeah. week line. That's the first time it's touched a 10 week line in a while. So I've just learned over the years, Hey, for some of these great stocks, you're better off just trying some there. If you get stopped out, you get stopped out, but it's always really hard to get in, into some of these great, great stocks. If you don't take that opportunity when they come and touch the 10 week line. Well, you know what, Arusha, I, I don't know, but it, I don't, I'm not even sure that it touched the, uh, it, the it, I think point. it, yeah, it might yeah. not have even. Yeah. Well, and the, the reason that's important is um, you think about it like that's, well, that's when a stock, you know, you'd typically expect it, like if it falls to the 10 week line of the 50 day moving average and, you know, probably get some buyers there. Maybe it'll even drift a little bit below it. And then if yeah. it comes back up, that's a good thing. But if you've got a stock like Zoom, that's been consolidating for several weeks and it doesn't even touch the 50 day moving average. It comes close, yeah. but it doesn't even touch the 50 before it starts moving higher again. That is a really, really positive sign. Yeah, you you can just envision fun. these traders sitting there going, oh man, it's almost at the 50. Well, I better buy this thing before somebody else does. Yeah, yeah, and and that's this market, and and that's a characteristic of a very very strong stock. They make it very difficult to get into. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and that's something I've missed so many great stocks over yeah. the years that you just learn if it's close enough, let me start buying slowly. This uh, is a ten percenter. This is a ten percenter. Just whatever your average position is, if you go, I just can't take it anymore. Just put ten percent away, and you know. You th thank me in 2022. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. So there are a few ideas that are worth uh, adding to your watch list. Thanks, Dan, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Next week, we are going to have someone who's a friend of both of ours. Dan mentioned it already. Mark Minervini is returning back to the show. Uh, Mark is the founder of Minervini Private Access and was also featured in the Stock Market Wizards book a number of decades ago. Uh, so that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Pires, and thanks for listening. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.